0: So thank you for joining us for Bible study tonight. <clears throat> We're back in the, we just had a good season of prayer. And uh, if you want to get in on a good time of prayer, uh, you can join us on Sunday nights. We pray at six o'clock, six to seven. Uh, Ron leads us in praise, and then we have a time in God's word, and then we pray. <clears throat> and uh, as MC Hammer once said, you got to pray just to make it today. All right, so, uh, and one of you remembers that. All right, so at least two of you, so... How many of you actually do remember that? A couple of you? Yeah. Yeah, you're dating yourself. All right. So um where are we? We're talking about body life. Let me turn this clicker on. And um we're working down, we're almost done with number four on identification. So I just have a few more uh blanks to fill in for you that needs does anyone need a worksheet for that? Uh oh. Um, I don't know where it is. <laughs> could you print one or run a photocopy anybody have one if you have a blank one Amy, it would be easier for Amy to run a copy I don't know what happened to all of them there was leftovers but I didn't, didn't actually Amy if you go to the connections counter and look behind the counter they're probably laying there there's probably fresh ones from last week and if that doesn't work, Caleb, if you could find that, we'll have her run a copy. But i got a feeling she's got one back there. And as that's going on, let me fast-forward you to where we are. We've, we've looked at these uh, – well, we've looked at uh, provision and protection, defining the local church. We have saw the function uh, and our place in the local church. We, look, we looked at the relationship to God and others and identification. Uh, okay, she's got one. Thank you, Caleb. Um, thanks. Is that tonight's? Does it say five? got stapled yeah that's not that's not it that's that might be it if we get to that but yeah see if there's one for lesson four <clears throat> um and and now we're talking about mission and vision what god calls us to do oh, wait a minute now that's lesson that's five we're in the wrong one so could you cue up less uh the fourth one yeah, that's not yet. That's tonight later, but we need to finish four. So we're on the wrong one for tonight. Okay. So, um, if you could change that out, that would be good. <clears throat> so as, as we're, as we're getting there, um, I did give you that, but that is uh, going to be done later, alligator. So, uh, last time we got together, we talked about, we, we talked about how Paul builds, uh, <clears throat> well, let me back up. Back up, Brian. I've got time. Huh? Circle back, Brian. I don't know. I might be tonight, so. All right. I have to, I'm back up, Brian, not circle back, so. <laughs> oh, it's up? Okay, good, that'll help me. I was kind of dependent on it. All right, so let me catch up to where I was. All right, in Christ, you're a new man. There we go. Um, and I, now I've got it in front of me, too. <clears throat> and uh, this is because the finished work of Christ, the Son of God, were forgiven. And... <clears throat> So, those blanks were forgiven of our sins because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Um, we've covered that. We should have covered our work to believe. Our work is to believe upon Jesus and the work that he did on the cross for our sins. And so, let me get, jump ahead here. Uh, when, <clears throat> so, we've covered that because of the new birth, you're a son of God, because the Father loved the world. He gave us a new nature through the new birth. Uh, we've covered that God is now your spiritual father. Instead of the devil, which is most important for us to get our head around, and because of that, we understand our relationship with God. Uh, as we have, our, our, we understand our relationship with God as our Father helps us connect to, and interact with the love and love our and with love with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we can interact with love because of that relationship. That's what I'm trying to spit out. And then. Uh, let me get to the next point. Okay, here we are. So, we were talking about adoption. Because of the indwelling spirit, uh, you have been adopted. And we spent some time in Romans, uh, talking about that spiritual birth and that, um, and that, uh, or the spiritual adoption, I should say, and the physical adoption that is mentioned there in Romans chapter 8. And there's two phases of our adoption. It's when we're born again, of course, we're spiritually adopted. Eventually, we get a, a new body. Um, And so uh, that is, let me get past that. That should fill in all your blanks. And now we're dealing with security. Our identity in Christ should give us security in Christ. And uh, 1 John 3.20 tells us, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we are confident, we uh, have confidence uh, toward God. And 1 John 5, let me move along here. These are all verses we covered. I'm trying to get down to my point where we left off. You are a dead man. In Christ, you're a dead man. And let me move on. There we go. Okay. So um, in, the, it's, in the light of seeing church age, this is an important aspect. We talked about having eye salve on our eyes that we could see. And, and then our salvation has transformed us. Into being, uh, from being dead in trespass and sins to being dead to sin, and so that's uh, where we left off. Um, we picked up last week, and I got the one quick point uh, in Romans chapter six, one and two. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And uh, tonight um, uh, I'll just pick up here. That's where we where we left off last week. So Paul builds on that to teach us. That were dead to the law, and if you were here last week, I quickly touched on Romans chapter seven, four through six, which tells us, wherefore my brother, you are also you become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be uh, married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead. So he's using the law of the Old Testament. When someone died, you were free to remarry, right? And so he said, you're you're as good as dead. You're free to follow Jesus. You don't have to follow the law. Uh, for when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin were by the law uh, did the did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death but now we are delivered from the law that being dead we're in uh, we were held that we should serve a new a newness of spirit not in the oldness of the letter so that doesn't mean we're lawless it means we can we can now fulfill the law because of our relationship with christ we're transformed and um romans six fourteen says for sin shall not have dominion over you for ye are not under the law, but under grace. So what gives a sin that dominion, of course, is the law. Uh, and so Colossians 3 tells us in verse 10, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So our transformation is, is spiritually complete when we get saved. Um, but he talks about this circumcision in verse 11, In whom also ye were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off of the body of sin's, of the flesh by the circumcision of christ now most of us know what circumcision is uh, he's talking about a spiritual circumcision uh, not a physical one buried with him in baptism wherein also you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of god who hath raised him from the dead and ye and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh flesh hath he quickened together with him having forgi- having forgiven you all trespasses so what does that mean i mean it's kind of confusing what, hap- what he's saying is that when you got saved, God cut our soul away from our flesh. And that's what quickened us. The law of sin controls our flesh, but the law of the Spirit controls our heart. So that's why we're sealed with the Spirit of God. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So when God looks at us, and I mentioned this several weeks ago, our, we're just as good as nailed to the cross. We're already dead, buried, and resurrected as far as God's concerned. Now in Ephesians 2.15, the Bible says, Having abolished... In his flesh, the enmity, right, the war, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for uh, to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. So uh, we have the peace of God in our hearts because he has he has abolished in his flesh that, that enmity. He's given us power. We have power. We got the power over our flesh uh, because of Jesus Christ. All right, so that catches us up to where I left off last week. Um, I didn't give you that verse, but you guys have that reference there. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, which means at war, even the law of the commandments contained in ordinances. Why? Because he fulfilled the law. He died on the cross for our sins. Our cross. As we saw, those ordinances are nailed to his cross. Our flesh is as good as dead. And we're, when it says we're a new creature in Christ, we're a new creature in Christ. All right. So that leads us to to, to ground we have yet to trod, and that is point D uh, here of our notes. So we have uh, to be, we have to be intentional to embrace the truth that we've already been crucified in Christ. So all of this doctrine, I just, I just flew through in in just a few seconds uh, and that we've covered in weeks past. I know you've slept since then. really does boil down. This is a, this, this is a pivotal verse here in Romans chapter six, uh, verses eight through 14. Uh, Paul says, now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died once, uh, or he died unto sin once. So our Roman Catholic friends would not, would not gravitate to that because they believed in perpetual uh, uh, sanctification. Or not even sanctification, salvation, where they're, you're, you're always in jeopardy. And, and uh, they are bringing Christ down from heaven um, to be offered on the altar in in the mass perpetually uh, so that we might get saved well biblically that's not in, in even close it's not a mystery of the church jesus died once for sin that's the issue biblically so that that is available to everybody according to the scripture for in that he died he died once or he died unto sin once but in that he liveth he liveth unto god likewise so because of this right likewise reckon do the math reckon ye yourselves also to be dead indeed unto sin But alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So verse eleven is really important because we have to reckon, like we have to we have to actually take the the time to to, to believe that that we are dead indeed unto sin. Now I don't know about you guys, but my flesh does not want to believe that. But that's that's contrary to what the Bible says. You got to you got to really do the math. That's what the word reckon is. It's a math term. And so you got to do the math. Why do we? What does the math say? The math says that Jesus died once. For our sin. And, and our sin, we already saw uh, earlier, that our sin has been uh, nailed to the cross. It's already done once. And for all. Even the long commandments, Ephesians 2.15. So now do the math. And you've got to be intentional about that. Reckon, you gotta, you got to engage your mind because your, your, your emotions will lie to you, your circumstances will lie to you, and your flesh will lie to you. So you got to say, wait a minute, let me go back to the book. The book says in Romans 6, I've got to reckon myself in, uh, to be uh, dead indeed unto sin, I meaning the deeds that we do, we're dead to that. You say, yeah, but Brian, you can't deny the fact that I just, you know, I just broke the speed limit. I know you did, but you know what? And the, and the cop says you're guilty, and you are in your flesh, but according to God, that's already nailed to the cross. You're indeed dead unto sin. Now you shouldn't let your flesh do that because you got power over it. Next time, keep the speed limit. Right? And so, um, and so do the math. Let, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. So who's running the show? Sin or the spirit? That you should obey it and the lust thereof. So when you do the math, what you're really doing is deciding who's, who's going to control your life. Are you going, are we going to allow our flesh, which is already, right, is dead? Why would we let our dead flesh control us? Because we want to. That's the only reason, because we haven't done the math. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Now, verse 13 is important when it comes to this issue of identification and understanding who you are in Christ. Because when I was first saved, I had this concept in my mind that if I understood the gospel and I understood these principles, which I do intellectually, then I should have victory, right? Because I know this and I want this. Anybody not want that? Now, if you if you in your heart, you don't want that, you have a problem, right? But if you want that and you know it, okay, well, then you're like, well, I should have victory. But let me tell you something about this. It, it does say don't neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. We're not static. With every step we take, we have opportunities, we have decisions, we have choices to make. And so you can you can know something and even want something and then still do something. Your flesh can get a hold of you, right? And so it's a battle. That's why he says yield. You got to decide. Uh, when you come to a yield sign, what do you do? You slow down. You got to become cautious, right? The whole point of a yield sign is you're looking for other traffic, and you're making a decision: do I go or do I stay? And you know what we call that in the Bible. Walk in the spirit so you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, right? You got to yield to the will of God, to God's word. And sometimes we don't know God's, we don't know what to do. So we got to stop and go, oh, God, I don't really know what to do. And we acknowledge him in all our ways and he'll direct our paths. But sometimes we think we do know what we're going to do. And we use the mind of this mind instead of the mind of God to make our decisions. And next thing you know, before you know it, you've yielded to the flesh. It really all starts in the mind. And it affects the heart. That's starting the heart, too. But it's, it's really the mind and the heart are the key. What you do in your flesh is already nailed to the cross, technically. Uh, but the place to battle it is in your mind and in your heart because you can win. It's a decision. you got to be intentional. If, we're, if I'm going to reckon, it's not just knowledge in my head. It's got to be in my heart. And it's also got to be active in my walk. Like so, you know, uh, uh, you don't forget what manner of man you were, right? Anybody do that i've done that, you know, you come to the altar. Oh god, forgive me of my sin And you walk away like james and you forget what manner of man you were and you just like go right back to your flesh <laughs> You know, it's like no lord, uh, I believe your word I'm, not doing penance uh, I'm going to believe what you say and i'm going to walk with you so that I know how to walk when i'm in motion I'll yield to the spirit I'll submit to what god wants and I think we all wrestle with that that helped me out though Because I would be overcome with guilt if I failed you know and then God's like hey McFly you know you don't even know who you are you're a new creature in Christ uh, your sins down to the, the issue you don't be don't be swallowed up with over much sin you know you were what you think you are you need to do the math and know who you really are and start making right decisions that your sin is already nailed to the cross it's all about doing the math and yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Your members are not that big a deal. You just think they are. You get to decide how you use them, your members, of course, being your extremities. And so you get to yield your body to God, and you get to deploy it for his use. That's your decision to make or not to make. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law but under grace. So there will be Christians who waste their whole life on earth that is designed for them to glorify Jesus Christ and come to the judgment seat of Christ uh, radiating with uh, gold, silver and precious stones, magnifying his glory like a, you know, a disco ball from heaven, man. I mean, it's just it's supposed to be glorious, but instead they will spend their life as victims to their flesh, thinking that their flesh controls them. The whole time God's word said, you never did the math. You're already dead. Tell your flesh what to do. You will go to church even when you don't feel like it. You will love people even when you don't feel like it. Because that's your flesh. And I'm going to obey the spirit. Because we, you got, we've talked about this in other sessions, right? Once you tell your flesh what to do, it'll catch up. I just was talking with some people about that today. You start with the facts, right? And then you have the proper what? Faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The facts comes from the word. The fact. The reality, reckon, deal with the numbers, right? Numbers are not relative. You know, the world we live in this world today where everything's relative. No, there's empirical evidence. There's absolute facts. You know, what goes up comes down, right? One plus one is two. There's not two ways to look at that. Um, And so you're dead indeed unto sin and alive under Christ. Do the math. Believe it. That's faith. And guess what will follow? I know you know. The feelings, feelings will catch up. But if you get your feelings out ahead of the facts, well, then it'll mess up your faith and you'll be all out of whack. And you're like, oh, man, man, I don't feel, I don't feel good. So I must not be right with God. No, Bible says you're right. And you need to, you need to believe that by faith and you need to push through and obey God and love God. because when you obey him, you keep his commandments, no matter how you feel about it. And guess what? Your feelings will catch up. Eventually, your feelings will catch up. Or maybe they won't. I've learned this, again, I've learned that a lot in my own practical experience in ministry. If you're going to be in ministry and serve in the church, I'm not talking about, oh, a pastor. If you're going to serve in the e-wing, you know what? You come ready with your A-game, whether you feel like it or not. Because you got a group of kiddos depending on you, and that is bigger than whatever your breakfast was that morning, right? (laughs) So you just say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going to walk by faith and God will bless it every time once you get in motion and you do the right thing with the right attitude, of course. You've done the math, and then God will God will bring it to pass. It's a blessing. And so a lot of times it's like that. And you praise God for the days that are good, and you praise God when the days are bad. You know, Blessed be the name of the Lord. All right, so understanding that we're dead to sin frees us, from, frees us to yield ourselves unto God along with our members, which are our body parts. So Paul highlights this by reminding us that we're not under the law of Moses, but grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have power to serve God like no other saints in human history because of the indwelling spirit, right? We're not in some other dispensation. I mean, we really, have, we look back on the Old Testament and go, wow, what it would have been like to be David or Moses or whatever. It's like, no, what it would have been like to be you and have this, the living God dwelling in your body. I mean, mobile tabernacle, mobile temple. Come on, man. I mean, there's some power going on around here. Um, and so you talk about hope, man, we got hope beyond hope. So we got to own that thing. All right, so pointy, e, let's keep moving. Because um, I, do, I do want to get to lesson five if I can. So when we reckon our flesh to be dead, uh, we can em- truly embrace our life in Christ. And when we do the math, so I'm not just saying that. Galatians tells us in Galatians chapter 2 verse 19, For for through the law I am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I love that phrase, by the faith of the Son of God. Uh, It's his faith, not ours, who loved me and gave himself for me personally I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if, a righteous, if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Right? If I had to work my way to heaven, then why did Jesus come and die? I'm either resting in his provision or I'm not. Uh, I'm dead to the law because Jesus fulfilled it. I'm not dead to the law because I'm better than the law. The law is perfect. If I'm trying to fulfill it in the flesh, I'm going to fall short. Romans 3 makes it very clear. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The reason I've overcome the law is not because I can keep it. It's because Jesus kept it for me. It was the faith of the Son of God. So it's very clear. When we come to faith in Christ, it's not our faith we're trusting. It's the faith that we're placing in Jesus' faith. He's the one who overcame, and we believe that he is sufficient to cover our sin. And, And that is not just at salvation, but that's also a practical point of sanctification in our walk with him as we reckon our flesh to be dead, and we can embrace our life in Christ. Wow, you know what? My faith does stink. I do question, but you know what? Jesus never did. His work on the cross is sufficient. You you might hear me preach that a lot when it comes to the, the salvation. You know, you know, we look at that in a soteriology perspective and a salvation uh, concept, which we should, because it's, it's, it's very applicable. Uh, he died once for sin, and all of this, the stuff I was just talking about. But it's also practical in our in our sanctification. Uh, it's not just an issue of our salvation; it's also our sanctification. So, because of this truth, we we face physical death with great confidence, knowing that being absent from the body means we're present uh, with the Lord. So there's a there's a true reality here that that we can like hang on to. When Paul says in Philippians, "For me to live is Christ," he ain't just kidding, right? I mean, like he's saying, "For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain." Oh. Really? Yeah. Now, we don't always live like that. But would to God if, if we were called on to give our lives, we would have that kind of uh, grace. So this is a I, – I got tested this week. I was in the staff meeting, and I'm not making this up. And uh, um, we were sitting in the staff meeting this morning on Monday morning or afternoon, whatever it was. Randy and Steve, Luke can testify this. And all of a sudden I hear this, pop, pop, pop. I'm like, there's a gun. First of all, I think the neighbors are shooting their weapons next door. Not unusual. But I'm like, man, that sounds close. So I'm like, that's in the building. That's in the parking lot. What? So I got up out of my chair, and I run into the office to see what's going on. I didn't have my weapon with me, nothing. I'm just going barehanded. I'm just going to karate chop it, you know, and so do the Matrix. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, so I, I did, I told, I got home and I told Amy about it and I said, Amy, I, I at least ran toward it. I said, I didn't know what I was going to get into. And then of course, you know, when I got in the, in the office, they had these big, uh, uh, cushy things that come in the packing boxes and they're in there jumping on them. Pop, 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 pop. I, you can ask Randy or, or, we were all like, you know, they were right behind me coming down the hallway. We were all like, there's a, there's a shooter in the building. I mean, it sounded just like it. It was freaky. And uh, and so I am glad to know I was told I'm glad I'm glad I didn't think and I just ran toward it because, you know what, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And uh, now I don't know that I had that on my heart, but (laughs) it was really foolish if that was a gun. I was getting ready to get blasted. I promise you. So uh, but uh, but anyway, uh, you know, God does give us this grace when it comes to facing death is my point. Right. It doesn't mean you have it every second of the day, but if, if called upon, God will give you that 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 grace at the time you need it to know that it is really better to be absent from the body. So you know we have uh, uh, you know Diane Trude's aunt Janet right coming to the end of her life most likely. You know man, have you ever seen a, a saint with that kind of grace that God gives them? They're just they're ready absent from the body, present to live as Christ and to die as gain. Ah, there ain't there ain't a whole lot of like uh, we got the verses. I'm reading them, but there's something about it. The witness in the spirit itself. When that, when those moments come, it's more than just words. It's more than just knowledge. There is a supernatural, it is a divine uh, sentence on our life where God gives us that grace to, to pass from this life into eternal life. And to really reckon with the reality that we're not as alive right now as we will be when we step out of this body. But most of us spend our life, and I'm I'm the preacher, and I'll even admit that most of us spend our life kind of living that in reverse. Like, like we really we know that up here, but we kind of live like what really this is our best life now. You know, we beat up on Joel Olsteen, but then we end up walking around like this is our best life, which it's not really true. We're not going to live our best life now. Our best life is an eternity future, especially if we live our life today like a dead man, and we let Christ and we yield to the Spirit of God. Wow. In our identity is Christ, and, and we're happy with being like Christ. We're happy with being the person he has written us to be in the Bible. We can play that Bible character, right? You're not thinking it. You're being who Christ saved you to be. But you got to reckon that in your mind. Um, and so, anyway, am I making sense what I'm saying to you all? So, as I, I haven't finished this verse, he says, "For I'm, I'm in a strait, betwixt two, verse 23, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. He's like, Yeah, I love you. I want to be here, but I want to be in heaven. I'm like torn. Torn between two lovers, feeling like a fool. No, he's he's uh he's torn, sorry. I Paula Paula gets me, I, I can tell <laughs> she's back there laughing. Uh, but he's torn between the two, and he he wants to be in heaven, but he, he loves the people and he wants to be here on earth. So that brings us full circle, right, uh, to the eternal assurance and blessings of being in Christ. And so that brings me to 2 Corinthians 5. I've been alluding to this, so therefore we are confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Uh, or are we confident, right? For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. Or are we? That's a good question. Paul was, and he's assuming the Corinthians are. Uh, he's talking about his ministry team, for sure. He's talking to all of us as Christians. But the reality is when you read those verses, it's like, yeah, yeah. But then you think about it practically. Like, am I really confident I'd rather be absent from the body and present with the Lord? Your death looms large. You know, people, when you think about death, the endemic situation, I mean, you you guys, you don't have to be, I'm talking to the home crowd here, you you guys get this, but isn't it wild to think about how we just like act like death isn't going to happen? It's just kind of crazy. Like we're all walking through this life surprised, oh, someone died. And we're surrounded by death all the time, and like live like there's no death ever in sight. Like we're freaked out when it happens. Because we are all avoiding death Even christians are like that to some degree It's because of our flesh in our flesh, right? In our spirit, we're good But in our flesh man, we can get kind of we can get kind of wacky about this thing I mean, I mean i've i've seen people they're in their 90s Acting like they're going to keep living for another hundred years. It's like man You need to reckon with reality here. This carcass is going down. You need to be right with jesus. That is the only option (laughs) It's eternal life or eternal death. That's the only option and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, when you're 20, you think you're going to live forever, but as we get older, of course, death continues to creep upon us, unless you're, in, you know, there's other circumstances. Today, death—I do think death is more prevalent in the minds of people than it has been when I was young. You know, there wasn't all this crazy school shootings. I just had another shooting this week. There weren't people walking into malls on Ritalin or whatever, uh, just shooting the place up, Prozac, whatever, just hyped up on psych drugs. Blasting everybody with guns. I mean, what is wrong? Well, I just said. A lot, I think almost every shooter is on some sort of psych drug for one thing, um, and and so there wasn't all of this all of this weirdness going on. Death is a lot more prevalent. So so getting back to what if you were in our discipleship meeting, uh, we had a dis- training last Saturday. Jeremy Bonison gave a great message on on the on how disciples should be evangelists. And how in reality, statistically, there's more people probably that want to hear the gospel than there are people that want to give it. And man, that has really convicted me because I think I believe that's true. And one of the reasons it's true is the days go dr- darker, grow darker is because people don't know the gospel and they see much more death. I don't mean like they don't get it in an academic sense oftentimes. Right. But they do see the the, res- the residue of it, which is. Is, you know, and it's scare world. Everything out here in the media is scare, 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 scare you, you know, and this is all just like put everyone on edge. And then you got us Christians walking around, hey, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Bring it on, buddy. You know, we're just all like, hey, I'm not scared, you know, COVID, get me, whatever. You know, I'm moving on and think we're crazy. Well, because what makes us so crazy is we don't have the spirit of fear. You know, take the shot, don't take the shot, whatever. If I die, I go to heaven. You know, what, you know, we just have this. It's not that we have a laissez-faire kind of mindset, but we really believe what the Bible teaches. And if you don't believe it to the point of death, then do you really believe it? And is it a faith worth having? And so sometimes that we have to demonstrate. No, we believe it to the core. And throughout history, that's you know our friends in India. Uh, just you know, just I don't. I'm not sharing these videos with everybody, but I get these videos. Of the persecuted saints and you see these dear women usually the women the weakest vessels Are the ones getting the worst beatings because these men are not men And um, well, they're men. They're more like animals And so they're beating these women. These women are just standing there. They won't bow their knee Because they serve jesus And they're taking their beatings until they can't stand, you know It's terrible As a as a as a in my flesh You just want to execute justice, but that's not what god's called and so he'll he will get there, but th- there's a reckoning that you know what to live as Christ and to die as gain, because there's not a whole for those folks. There's not a whole lot to look forward to. There's not going to be some political answer. There's not going to be law enforcement rush in and save them. As a matter of fact, in one instance, law enforcement rushed in to save them because you know why? Because the men started defending their women, and then there was a mini war getting ready to start. So the law enforcement to defend the Christians. Credit to the, the powers that be in India. Coming I mean, to help defend these Christians from being, you know, raped, pillaged, and plundered, and and then they got they turned on them. Hindus attacked the police. They started beating up on the police, and the police couldn't stop them. I mean, it's it's terrible, you know. Uh, the the testimony of Christ shakes people up, and that when you say there's one way and it's Jesus, man, that makes people angry. So uh, for those dear saints over there, there's no safety net. There's no well. I'm going to trust Jesus, and if things go wrong, I'm going to get an airplane ticket and go to the United States. I'm going to go to Heartland Baptist Fellowship where it's safe. You know, that, they don't have that option. They really reckon with, you know what, to live is Christ, to die is gain, and in many other cases, it's a lot better to die than to keep going. And so, uh, man, pray for those saints. That's just kind of a side note as we're praying, you know. those are, We need to be praying for those saints, and that's not just in you know in Asia. That kind of stuff is happening all over the place. You know, it's happening. You know, I know people say it's happening in the United States. Certainly Christianity is looked at with disdain by many people, even in powers that be. However, it's not that bad yet. So so man, we're we're still blessed to have the liberty we have. And while we have the liberty we should maximize it to the max. All right. So um because we're dead in sin and alive in Christ, our sins are nailed to his cross and we give account for those things done in the body. Verse 9 says, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him, not saved. He's not talking about that. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So we will give account in how we, how we identify with Christ and how we identify with one another. And that is literally talking about this body, but it's also talking about this body. It's a dual application because what you do in this body affects what happens in this body. What I do in this body affects what happens in my wife because we're one flesh. What she does affects me. But spiritually, we're connected, right? And also, by the way, what the the body of Christ does, you think it doesn't affect Christ? If marriage is a picture of Christ in this church, don't kid yourself. What what goes on in the church affects Jesus. Not that it's going to change him, but it affects him because he's, he's connected to us. He's in us. It can grieve him. It can quench him. And so we're connected. The body mean the, the body means this dead body that we walk around in uh and we live in of course but it's also the the one that's connected to the local church. Through Christ what connects us together is not our membership status on a piece of paper right or a, or a process of standing in front of the church what really connects us as a body is Jesus and the spirit of God Christ in us. So we collectively are the body of Christ and as far as God is concerned your flesh Um, This and the sins that are associated with it have been nailed to the cross 2000 years ago So the life we now live we live by the faith of the son of god. Hallelujah to you So we we are alive because of jesus's faith We place our faith in his faith and that is what quickens us and makes us new creatures in christ at salvation But also as we walk around sanctified in christ, we reckon that we are Alive because of christ i'm alive. I'm not i'm not subject to my flesh Though I allow that, I yield to it at times because something has gone wrong in my mind and my heart. But when I get my mind and my heart right, I don't have to yield to it. Have you ever been in those battles? I know I have, like, all the time. So your flesh says one thing, and, you, and it's telling you a message that's not true. And then you stop, and you go, wait a minute. Lord, my flesh is telling me i got to eat ice cream right now. But you know what? I don't have to eat ice cream right now. And when you pray and you stop, God gives you the grace. And you're like, well, I don't need to eat ice cream right now, but I sure thought I did a minute ago. And practically, I've proved this. I've, I've, I learned a long time ago, uh, like with my mind, uh, this is why in the morning it's important for me to get in the Word first because I've got to have the right appetite for the right things. So it's really what you prioritize as well. right? So if I, if I, if I don't want to eat bad food, if I put the good food first, it quenches my desire for food, and then I don't want the bad food as much as much I feel like you know it's lawful to have sugar but I don't want to I don't eat a lot so I just told someone today my dessert is this barbecue sauce you know (laughs) so so you know but I fill up with salad and I fill up with beef I set the bread to the side I love the bread I want to chow down on that bread but I'm going to set that bread aside because I'm going to choose I'm going to choose to fill myself up with something else and by the time I eat something else guess what now I don't I don't really want you ever done that you get done, you're like, I really wanted that dessert. I really wanted that ice cream. When I was at Culver's. I wanted ice cream, but now that I've eaten this meal, I just don't want ice cream anymore. No. I don't really want it. I don't need it. Of course, that's some pretty good stuff, I'm telling you. <laughs> so, but if you start with that, man, there's times in my life I'm like, forget the meal. Just give me a chocolate shake right now. You know? Well, if that happens, it's not healthy. There's times you've you got to tell your flesh, this is the order. My Bible comes first. And once I fill up with that, you know what? I just don't want as much social media. I don't want as much talk radio. I don't want as much sports radio or whatever. Nothing wrong with sports radio. Nothing wrong with sugar. Just not too much of it. You know what I'm saying? Then my mind's trained on stuff that doesn't matter instead of stuff that does matter. And so, again, all of this is about what you're going to yield to, what you're going to submit yourself to. All things are lawful. Not all things are expedient. And so I know that, you know, my flesh can't handle ice cream first. So I'm going to go with protein first and see where the ice cream ends up. And oftentimes, after I get the protein, I don't need the ice cream. It's just telling my flesh what to do. Because if I just listen to my own flesh, well, it's ice cream first every time. <laughs> and then I'm diabetic and in the hospital, and I'm no good, you know? So you, gotta, you can't yield to that thing. All right, let's finish this up. Um, so in Christ, not only are you a dead man, this is dealing with our identification in Christ, we're a raised man, and this is this is the this is the victory lap, man. This is where we got to finish this thing. Uh, Galatians two and verse twenty: I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live; yet, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Now we've already traversed around this, but it's just good to to, to start there again. So we are positionally resurrected with Christ. Because we will soon be physically resurrected. Now, I, you're going to have to turn in your Bibles because I do not have enough uh, PowerPoint power. They, they, they cut me off on slides at, one, at some point and say, Brian, that's too long. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in your Bible, New Testament. i got to get there. Romans chapter 15. Somebody want to read? Um, man, I'll tell you what. Let's, let's, how many of you are willing to read? All right. Let me get the mic. And I'm going to – will you pass the mic? We'll start with you, Caleb. Let's take this in sections because this is a lot of a lot of Bible. So you got verse 38. And uh, uh, that way we can – I don't know if I got that many readers. Uh, so if you can do 1 Corinthians 15, 38, 39, and then I think, Jesse, you were willing. Pam, are you willing? Okay. So, yeah, let's just kind of work through that. And then Candace, Candace will go. Okay. I think we'll get there. So – Go ahead and give it, give it a read there, brother. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 38. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial... Is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Okay. Verse 41 There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Verse 44. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man Adam was made a living soul. The last man Adam was made a quickening spirit. Forty-six, right? Okay. How be it that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Keep going do you want to read okay uh, any anyone over here, Jamie Jamie, if you just want to finish that up or unless the sto the Stovals, I'm sorry Cohen's, unless the Cohens want to read. What verse were we on? Okay, 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Verse fifty five O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us, us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren... Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Thank you all for reading that. Um, so, when we say you know positionally, that means we're as good as resurrected, but also literally, this passage is speaking of the literally we will get a celestial body. And so, when you work through this passage, there's a lot here, uh, and I won't you know belabor it, but We started back in verse 38, and it says, God giveth a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body, and the analogy here, by the way, is if you go back a few verses, is he he likens us to the distinctions between planting a seed in the ground, like if you took an apple seed, you know, Johnny apple seed, and you plant that seed, it just is a seed, it's nothing. Even an apple, right, is completely different that that seed comes from, that comes out of the apple core, gets put in the ground, it's... It's a completely different thing. You put it in the ground, the seed in the ground, and then boom! Here comes this tree. You know, it's I mean, like glorious. And he uses that as an analogy the, the the magnitude of glory between an earthly body that we have today and what we will have in a celestial body is the distinction between a little seed dropped in the ground and the the product that comes forth out of the ground. It's like wow, that's quite quite incredible. You know. And so that you kind of get that mindset, and then he gets into this discussion of right. You have a terrestrial body, you know, um, and then you have a celestial body. Terrestrial, just because they had a thing called ET, the extraterrestrial, that doesn't mean that your body. He, the, the just Terra, Terra is Earth. It's you got an earthly body, and then you have, uh, you know, terracotta, right? It's made out of clay. You got an earthly body, and then you got a celestial body, like a heavenly. Well, we don't have our celestial bodies yet. Randy and I were just visiting about this on Monday morning. We're talking about our different bodies and, and what happens to this. Because we know in this very passage over here, we read in verse 50, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. So this body doesn't really do anything. This body is dead in every sense of the word. I mean, it's moving around, it's pushing on the wood, but it's really just a dead body. The only thing that's really making me alive is Christ. Uh, God's keeping me going. that the body and the blood don't make it. You well know, what about the celestial body? Well I get another body you know and uh, that body is able to traverse through time and space it's a, it's a spiritual body and it, and, it, and okay so you say, well yeah but it says it will be changed. that's true. And verse 52 that's a mystery. For those of us that don't die, we are changed in an instant a in twinkling of an eye. We go from terrestrial. To celestial, just like that. So we don't have the benefit of dying physically. You know, I always, have, when I was young in the Lord, I always thought, man, how awesome it'd be. I wanted the rapture because I didn't want to die physically. But unfortunately, for those of us that are alive at the rapture, we will never have the joy of knowing what it is to walk out of this carcass into eternal life by faith like that. I mean, we'll just be, one day we'll be here, next day we won't. And we'll be in a new body. And it'll just it'll be instant, a twinkling of an eye. I mean, just like that. Trump will blow. Boop, we'll be there. And so so I think, you know, as much as we look forward to that, and, I, and by the way, we should. We should look forward to that. Don't get me wrong. I'm, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Um, I do think there's something about walk. There's probably a, an incredible process to walk out of this life into the next, you know. Um, and so, and I say walk, you know, because you see the, the rich man Lazarus, you know. Um, rich man uh, was carried he went to he went to hell and to prison until he gets cast in like a fire and so lazarus was was good to go you know and that wasn't even that's was before the resurrection so uh, anyway uh, my point is simply this is that is that uh you know when we get to the subject of the 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 resurrection though though we're not yet in heavenly places physically spiritually it's as if we were so as far as God is concerned, we're already seated together in heavenly places because he, he has Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father and our life is hid in Christ, at which we've already looked at those verses. Um, Hebrews 10.2 says, let me give you that verse. It says, but this, uh, but this man, after he off, it was offered, uh, he offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God. This isn't the only reference to Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. But Jesus is phys- physically sitting at the right hand of the Father. But he's also in me. I can't be omnipresent, but he is omnipresent. Right? So I'm as good as, just like my sin is as good as nailed to the cross 2,000 years ago, guess what? I'm as good as seated together. I'm as good as seated in heaven. But in the meantime, I'm here. I know that kind of starts blowing our minds. I know. I don't get all that either. But time and space isn't, I mean, is not the same with God. And so he's able to do that through the spirit of God. Uh, Just like you can listen to the radio multiple places all over the world with one broadcast, I don't understand that either, but it works. (laughs) I just did it today, Um, and so, so it's it's amazing. That's why the internet, by the way, is an emulation of the spirit of God. It's not the spirit of God. It's a fake. It's a knockoff. Um, Okay. So, point because of because of the truth of this truth, we should live a resurrected life because we are headed toward a resurrection. We should live. We can live that life now. So, um, I know I said our best life now. Of course, our best life's in eternity, but we can live a resurrected life. Romans 6, 1 says, what, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Right? Grace unto it. Grace unto it. You know, it's all covered by the blood. Well, okay. Paul is already ahead of us. Okay, then you can. This is always what the charismatics say. Well, then you can do whatever you want to do. Oh, well, can you? Should you? I mean. Technically, you can, but you're still his son. He's going to spank you. And there's instructions here that says, God forbid. I mean, you can stick your hand in a blender, but should you? No. Why? There's consequences. Of course, you shouldn't stick your hand in a blender. There's consequences. Of course, you shouldn't continue in sin that grace may abound. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. Therefore, I need to get that. I I don't have that verse up, do I? Sorry, guys. You're actually going to have to turn to this. No, there I am. Sorry. Uh, Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead uh, by, by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The reality of that resurrection for us right now is to walk in newness of life. Very clearly. That's what Paul's saying. For if we have been planted together in his likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, which we just read about in 1 Corinthians 15. Knowing this, because we know this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So we should definitely, because of this truth, we should live a resurrected life. We should have the power of the Spirit in our life, and we should live a resurrected life because we can. That's probably one of the biggest deceptions I see as a pastor in this age is so many people are and, – and, and, and we have a recovery ministry, and Chris knows what I'm saying. you got to be careful of recovery ministries because one of the things I like about our recovery ministry it's, it's uh, is like our use fashioned off of this this biblical concept – that you're not in recovery forever. You're not always a victim. You know there is a conclusion, right? Just like discipleship has a conclusion. Um, there's a point where you're mature. It doesn't mean you stop learning and growing, but there is a point where you're responsible for what you learn, and the outcomes, right? You have a point of maturation where you've been through apprenticeship and now you've turned out. Now you may be the worst journeyman ever. Right. And and that's your fault. (laughs) You didn't pay attention in trade school. But I mean, man, you've gone through apprenticeship. And now if you can't get a job because you didn't learn. You know, you you got you went through the school. And so discipleships like that, there's a point where, you know, don't go back and retread that ground. You need to live it. You need to do it. And it doesn't mean because you've turned out, you know, everything about that trade. You could spend the rest of your life and you will learning more and more. That's why journeymen are worth their weight in gold. Because experience brings things that you get. That you know, it's one thing to turn out and have some skills. It's another thing to keep going and have some wisdom. And so, and, and so, it's just like discipleship. There is a point where the word's been invested in you. Now it's your responsibility. You can't be blaming everybody else for being a victim. Uh, you've got you got to say, you know what? I know what to do now. I got to do. It. So what happens is we lose our identity. And so you get in a recovery ministry. And not in our recovery ministry, but you get in some recovery ministries, and you're always an addict. Like, I'm an addict. I'm a, I, it's, it troubles me when people say, I'm a sinner. I kind of get, sometimes I get grossed out by Christians always saying I'm a sinner. What they mean is, I have sinful flesh, and it troubles me all the time. Oh, yeah, I'm with you there. Are you a sinner, though? Your identity is no longer a sinner. I'm a son. I'm not a sinner. I'm a son. Jesus Christ dealt with my sin on the cross. I choose to sin at times. I allow my flesh to get the victory. It's sinful, for sure. Now, of course, I don't get technical about it. But how many I mean, just I'm just asking, how many of you sat and watched somebody get up and say, oh, I, you know, we're all just sinners, and really what they're, they're Christians, and what they're really saying is we're not walking in the Spirit, and we just need to give each other slack for not walking in the Spirit. I kind of sit back at that sometimes and go, well, why are we acting like sinners when we're saints? understandably we all struggle to walk we all stumble and fall i'm all about god's grace if you know me personally i'm all about giving people grace helping people back up but i'm also about having the right mindset because if you don't see this identification process right you will always be a victim and you will never be a victor and you've got to be a victor you know what i'm saying don't you chris i mean have you ever seen like people in addiction and they're always coming back, and I'm an addict, I'm an addict, I'm an addict. Well, when are you going to be a son of God? When is your identity going to switch? Now, you've got to be gracious with people. Look at the disciples. When was the point when Peter quit being a fisherman and became a fisher of man? And when did Peter go from being a fisherman to a shepherd? Right? It didn't just happen the first day he met Jesus. So God is gracious. We should be gracious, gracious with people. Most men, let's just use men for an example. This is why I don't get done on time because I just go off on these tangents. But most men, right, we identify with our vocation because men are made to work and provide. And when we're working and providing, we feel like we're doing something because we're made to be industrious and when we're providing for somebody. We feel like, hey, man, I'm I'm doing what God's made me to do. And and he and you are for sure. But then, you know, I'm a I'm a whatever. I'm a carpenter. I'm a I'm a designer. I'm a mechanical engineer. I'm a this. I'm a that. Now don't get me wrong. I get it. That is how we all roll I'm a professor. I'm a i'm a preacher, but really I'm a son of god, right? That's really what I am Now you can use all that stuff paul did i'm a hebrew of the hebrews. I'm a this I'm of that, right? I mean you can use all those identifications, but ultimately in our core we got to recognize I'm a i'm a christian That means my life is governed by christ. I am like christ first and foremost And you know that makes people uncomfortable you roll up into the party and everybody's like, "Oh, uh, uh, the uh, excuse me, I didn't mean." I, they start dropping f bombs. All of a sudden, like, "Oh, sorry about that." Why are they? Why are you apologizing to me? I, I'm not the, I'm not the mouth police, right? You know why? Because they know who you rep. You rep Jesus, and if Jesus was in the room, they would act different. And when you show up, you represent him. That's not a bad thing. It's not. I kind of get sick of bend over backwards to help sinners feel comfortable. I'm like, well, let's just make some people uncomfortable. Let's tell them Jesus loves them. And, you know, I don't care what you say unless you, what I really want you to do is bow on the knee and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he'll take care of that other stuff. That's not the, my concern isn't your curse words. My concern is, is have you confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior? But that conviction, man, it's healthy. Because they don't know that they're lost until they know they're a sinner. That comes when people walk in the Spirit. And uh, I'm not trying to say you shouldn't make people... You don't want to intentionally go around, you know, making people feel uncomfortable. And don't be an idiot stick. You know, you get someone out there who's just preaching Jesus all over the place and their life's a wreck. You know, then that's just, like, complete hypocrisy. And the world just thinks you're an idiot. So you don't want to be that guy either. Your walk has to match the talk. And oftentimes your walk is not much stronger than your talk. Right? So... Uh, it 's important that we live a resurrected life uh, ephesians two six right and he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in christ jesus guys we 're as good as in heaven. so in Christ you, you are a perfect man uh, colossians two nine for, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. so our identification as man we 're perfect, meaning complete. That's why I chose Colossians 2, 9, and 10. What's it mean to be perfect? We often think sinlessly perfect. Man, if you put yourself on that treadmill, you are going to fail yourself every day, every moment. You're going to just be like, oh, I'm a loser in your identity. I'm a loser. No, you're not a loser. You're a son of God. Get back up. Get back up and be who God saved you to be, not in your flesh. Ask God to help you. Come to church. Do the basics. Do the fundamentals. The word of God the local church, ministry, and guess what? You'll be back and walking in the Spirit before you know it. Uh, you you neglect the Word of God. You neglect uh, assembling yourselves together with the believers. You neglect, you neglect serving others, and you put yourself ahead of others. Well, guess what? You're going to feel like a loser because you're losing. <laughs> That's still not your identity. You are a perfect, you're a complete person. You just got to get back to the point of being in God's, Complete will, perfect will of God. That's what Romans 12, 1 through 3 is all about. So in Ephesians chapter 4, it says this. It says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting, right? The completing of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So on Valentine's Day, I look over at Amy. She looks back at me, and I say, "Amy, you complete me." And she says, "Brian, Christ completes me." No, that didn't really happen. But anyway, <laughs> ultimately, that's why your relationships work, right? Because Christ completes us, right? Who makes us complete? It's it's not your it's not your spouse. It's your it's the Lord. And when we're complete in Him, then we satisfy one another. So uh, let's get to point A because I got to get done. Uh, Point A, we're being perfected or completed as we uh, approach the day we appear before the perfect man. So this is a process, right, where we're working this out uh, in our lives daily. As we get closer to to seeing that perfect man, we're positionally, we're seated together in heavenly places. Practically, we're walking around down here with Christ in us, and we're working all this truth out in our lives, preparing ourselves for that day. When we stand before him as his bride, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be, we're looking forward to that. It shouldn't be something we're, we're, you know, we're we're not preparing for. Um, Man, what bride is not preparing for the day to meet her groom? So that's why God gives the church pastors and teachers. Ephesians chapter 4 is to perfect, to prepare us to be with Christ, the perfect man. And that's why chapter 4, we deal with that. What do we deal with in chapter 5? Marriage, the picture of marriage, how to walk it all out. And ends up in marriage, picture of Christ in the church. OK, so um, so Job could see through uh, history and look forward to the day that the Lord perfected uh, to I'm sorry, to the perfect man that would stand on earth. He could see that even Job knew this. The perfect man appeared nearly 2000 years ago in Israel and will return soon to catch us away and return with us to fulfill his perfect plan for the earth. Think about that. The perfect man. It's not us, but he lives in us. And so Job, Job said this in Job 19.25, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth, and though, uh, and, and though after my skin worms destroy his, this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. He's looking for a resurrection. Whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another. Though my reigns be consumed within me. He's like saying, I'm going to die and my flesh is going to be consumed. Yet, I will be in my flesh and I will see Jesus. He's saying that in Job. Wow, that's pretty powerful. So, oops, sorry guys. So Jesus is the perfect man. And we are now completing him because of Christ's finished work. I've taken a long time to say what I've already said. But let me give you one more verse, and we're going to wrap this up almost. Hebrews 5.8 says, though, though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And so even though we identify with Jesus as the Son of God, you know how we learn to obey? By things that we go through. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation. He was perfect. He's complete. Unto all them that obey him, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He's a better priesthood. That's what Hebrews is all about. He's a better sacrifice. He's a better priest. He's a better everything. He's the perfect everything. He's complete. So let me conclude this thing. I don't know. Yeah, I got one more verse and I'm done. Because our position in Christ, we should naturally value the body of Christ. Because this session is about identification. And understanding who you are, your identity drives so much about how you relate to other people, both lost and saved. And if you can get this down, man, it it just changes everything. You're not going to worry about putting others ahead of yourself as much because you know that you're just different on the inside. I mean, God just takes care of it for you. He governs you differently. You yield to the spirit instead of the flesh. It'll help your marriage. It'll help you with your kids. I mean, all of it. We're forgiven. We're secure and positionally seated together in Christ, complete in him. Now, the truth is we don't believe that oftentimes in our practice but that is still the truth that's why we have to reckon that to be so it will change us understanding the value that god places on us should aid in our in our value of others in the body of christ right when we realize that man you mean to tell me i'm that valuable to god how can that be do the math that's what it says well man if i'm a rotten scoundrel and i'm that valuable to god and he's forgiven all my trespasses then why can't i forgive everybody else's and really? Has anybody wronged me like I've wronged Jesus? Uh, probably not. Now, don't get me wrong. There's big wrongs. I just I saw a beautiful, I think it was a Muslim fellow. Some guy, some idiot thug went and killed his son. His, his, the dad shows up to court. I don't even think he was a Christian. Maybe he was. I don't even remember. What I remember is this father comes across for his own good because he knows he can't live with himself. He, he'd he rather kill this guy. But he goes up to him and he just hugs him it says, Hey, I just want you to know I forgive you. I don't want you to make these mistakes. You know, the guy's sentenced; he's going to prison. Uh, it doesn't matter. But man, I tell you what—that broke that that criminal's heart. And he's on the record. He's just bawling like a baby and just talking about, "I don't deserve his forgiveness. I don't. You know, I just, I just can't. You know, and he just, he just couldn't hardly process that kind of grace. Beloved, that's us. We're the criminal. You know, we, we. It's hard to. It's just hard to hang on to grudges when when you've been forgiven. that's all I got to say and if you if you are struggling with that again it's oftentimes it's an identification issue. You really don't understand who you are um and so and I say that, and I mean, I could be tested on this today before I walk out of the room, so you know it's easy to say it's harder another, another thing to to live it because there are definitely circumstances. That's why Paul says, as much as lieth in you, you know live peaceably with all men. I saw a, a, just the other day a, a true story it happened several years ago. This uh, karate instructor molested a, 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 t- a boy, a little boy. They entrusted this, this little boy, the karate instructor, a uh, friend of the family, had him in the house, whole thing. And anyway, the, the guy starts molesting the little boy, and about the time he's probably 12 or whatever, it finally comes out. Um, and so the dad murders him. I mean, there's just the dad, he can't take it. So he catches him at the airport as they're extraditing him because the guy ran off with his son. That's how the whole thing came. The jig was up. Law enforcement found, dad kind of had an inkling, you know, check out the karate instructor. Sure enough, police were on it. They flew him, extraditing him back in. I think they ran to California. Dad's in incognito in the corner at the, just back when they had payphones. He's at the payphone, right? As soon as the guy's ushered in, he turns around, shoots him. Boom, he's gone you know gives himself up law enforcement actually the guy only got the dad only got probation because he went to trial and everybody just said well okay we get it is in texas you know the story true story you know but that dad doesn't feel good about that you know i mean uh he had to live with that but not there's nothing good that comes with sin you know and uh He did get grace and mercy, and because it was just, it was probably one of the most just murders. If there's a just murder, I mean, it kind of was a. He was willing to do whatever, and you know, but that's not really the way a Christian needs to roll. I I say that because there are are terrible circumstances, and Paul says as much as lieth in you. The peace. I mean, God understands. We're in a wicked, sinful. It's so wicked that ultimately, to get this thing straight, Jesus has to come back and crush people like grapes because humans are so rebellious. And the blood's going to flow bridle deep in the Valley of Armageddon. I mean, that's how hard-hearted people can be and how wicked it is. It's so bad that God himself has to come down and say, that's enough. Squash, you're done. And tread upon the grapes of wrath. So I so we're not in a utopian society. But in our hearts, man, we really need to identify with Christ. And we need to have the right attitudes. Uh and so, of course, there's limits, and, and of course, you can defend yourself. And of course, but our heart shouldn't be, you know, I'm just ready to go out and be dirty hairy on everything. You know, that's not the heart of a Christian, <laughs> you know. Um, daily trials and challenges, they give us opportunity to reckon that we are dead, and, uh, dead indeed to sin and alive in Christ. And as we trust in him for faith and go from faith to faith, we grow as we believe the words of God over the things that we, we see, we think, and we feel. And guys, I, I'm as your pastor. I'm tested on this all the time. If I could, I mean, I even thought about like getting a a, a secret name and, and making my own web pages and and just venting everything I really want to say, but I can't because I'm a pastor and I represent so many people. And I just really want to say so much more. But you know what? God says, Brian, you're my son, and that's a waste of your time because you know how this ends. So just. Get back in your lane, son, and run your race and finish your course. You know what I'm saying? Because you can just go off on tangents that don't need to go down because you just got to wait for Jesus to take care of it. And that's your identity. You got to choose who you're going to be. Our priorities change as we consider our identity in Christ. So I have Mark 8. Mark 8 says this, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, not just lose his life, but for my sake and the Gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You hear all these uh, rock stars and pop stars and whatever rap artists, they all say the same thing. I made a deal with the devil. I literally saw, saw, I, I was surprised, but not really. Who's that guy? Bob Dylan, you know. He did the same thing. These guys literally make a deal with the devil oftentimes to get famous. It's an exchange. Yeah. Uh uh-uh. uh. Sold my soul for rock and roll, that's right. That used to be I forgot about that. Sold my soul for rock and roll. And so that's kind of the thing. Uh and it is a thing. You know, Katy Perry makes videos about it and it's kind of a thing in Hollywood. A lot of people get famous. They they make it they they they're like I I've actually heard, there's a famous actor from from Springfield. I heard a personal testimony where someone I know was actually witnessing to him. He grew up in a Christian home in Springfield and I won't tell you who he is um on on the air, but uh, they were working with him and he was in college and he had a he had an opportunity to act and he's famous. You all know who he is. And he made a deal. And he knew it. And uh and you know, he may even be born again. But he gave he made he made a deal with the devil. That's literally from his from I was told. That's what I that's what I've understood. And so, you know, anyway. I say all that to say this. When you, made, when you bowed your knee and confessed with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you made a deal. He's your Lord. I'm already dead. I give up my life. And boy, I couldn't be in a better place. Hallelujah to you. I'm so thankful for that. I chose to die. When you get saved and you die to self and choose Christ, you come alive. And that's why the fulfillment of that is you resurrect like a tree. From A seed. I mean, it's just this incredible, glorious change that happens. But man, when you don't choose Christ and you make a deal with the devil, it's death. No matter how glorious it appears in this life, your identification, who really cares if you win the Super Bowl? Who really cares if you get an Emmy or a Grammy or whatever? Who really gives a rip? In eternity, it ain't going to matter. No, and I'm glad we won the Super Bowl. I'm not being a Debbie Downer. I'm just saying. We're talking about things that have more weight. Okay, I'll be done. So it's imperative that we, we abide in Christ so we bear fruit that glorifies God. John uh, John 15, verse 1 says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the husband. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Man, get a hold of that. You're clean through the word. You want to be clean? I do. And you are clean through the word that's spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. Now, of course, Christ is in us of a truth. First Thessalonians 5.15, uh, the Bible says, See that, ye, uh, that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. And so, you know what? Because Jesus is looking out for us, we look out for one another. And because Jesus loved us, we can love the unlovable because our identity is Christ. I mean, we are in him and he is in us. And that Ephesians chapter 5 picture is fulfilled in us and, and, and corporately. Of course, that's the same thing as well. So this lesson is designed to help us consider our identity in Christ regardless of our feelings and our experiences. So no feelings that we have nor experiences trump what the word of god has to say and man and i know this is kind of the name man, choir you all get that but boy isn't that that is when we sit down with people and we take them through discipleship you know that's ultimately what we're doing is we're helping them see who they are in christ that's why we start off father-son relationship and we work through that thing Identifying with the local New Testament church and the fellowship that's required in relationships with believers, and getting baptized, right? That's identifying with the, the Jesus, but then that identifies the body with us, right? We're like, hey, if you're willing to publicly profess your faith through believers' baptism, we as a body are willing to identify with you. We believe your testimony that you're a believer. That's the only test we have at Heartland. You don't have to do 15 jumping jacks. You don't have to say 25 Hail Marys. You don't have to be saved. You know, you don't have to prove the fruits of your salvation. You confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, submit to believers' baptism, then you know what? We're, we receive that. We do expect you to walk in the Spirit, and if you don't, it'll come out soon enough. And part of that is just growing in faith, right, and being perfected through the, through the Word of God. All right, any questions tonight? I hope that was profitable. Next week when we get together, we're going to talk about mission. Because once we know who we are, we can go forward, man. We can start progressing and get on mission together. Uh, and then, uh, that'll be our second to last lesson. I got two more lessons on this and then we'll be done. Well, thanks for your time. Let's pray. I got to get out of here. And, uh, and I, I trust you guys are all born again and disciples and following Jesus. So let's, there's no one that I know in here that's lost. So let's go win some people to Christ. Let's get some lost people and get them saved and discipled. Amen. Heavenly father, thank you for this opportunity just to sit around and swim around.